Steven, you there, man? How's it going? Doing pretty well. How about you? Good, man. Good. Um, so welcome, everyone. Welcome into Ohio vs. the World, as always, an exclusive Ohio sports podcast. Today, the focus is the Ohio State Buckeyes. Got Steven Means, a beat writer for Cleveland.com, as well as one of the co-hosts of Buckeye Talk podcast. <laughs> you just started doing Buckeye Talk about uh, two or three weeks ago. How's that been going? It's been going pretty well. I've been getting some positive feedback from people. So, yeah, I've enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, it's a cool uh, gig to get. Obviously, it's probably the biggest, I would say at least, Ohio State podcast there is here in Columbus. So, congrats on getting that, man. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right, so I brought in Steven to talk a little bit about Ohio State. We're probably going to talk about the Michigan State game, uh, talk about the basketball game two days ago against Mm -hmm. Purdue-Fort Wayne. And then maybe just a little bit about Maryland. Um, I don't know a ton about Maryland, but we'll get into the predictions a little bit for that game. So first we'll talk about Ohio State, Michigan State. The first real bullet point I got here is Drew Chrisman and how well he played. Um, it's not often that the punter is the MVP of the game, but Drew Chrisman had himself a game, no doubt. Yeah, for sure. To be honest with you, the other the offense and the defense weren't very good to, for the mm-hmm. majority of that game. And until Christman started punting pretty much everything inside the six yard line, it, it was a pretty, it was nine to six. Like this, the final score of the game isn't a true, you know, showing of what mm-hmm. the game actually was. But once he started doing that, I think it started to really energize the defense. And uh, the defense kind of took over from that point on. They, you know, getting a defensive touchdown off the fumble. They made a fumble back to back possessions and then the following, they scored on one of them in the other possession. They led to a field goal. And then, you know, Ohio State really started to break over in that game. But, yeah, I'm, I don't – even Urban Meyer said on Monday and on Saturday, I don't – he said he never really seen a punter have that big of an impact on the game to where he can pretty much be the reason why a game gets blown wide open. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, he was definitely the MVP of the game. I, like, I, I'd say he's responsible for nine points at least. Uh, that intentional safety that they got um, was due to him putting it on the one. And then the touchdown they got was due to him putting it on the one-yard line as well. Yeah, w- yeah, one hundred percent. I think now nah, that's not gonna happen again. I think that's like a once. In- now he'll probably punt some more inside the five yard line, but you're not gonna mm-hmm. see it five straight times ever again. Yeah, so I think it's kind of the transition in the Mar- Mar- this is the perfect game for them to try to you know get those other two facets kind of playing at their highest level because you're not. Let's be honest, here, they're gonna beat Maryland. They're not losing that game, and mm-hmm. I think this game is more about. You know, obviously they need to blow this team out because the last time they played a team where it was clearly they should have won the game, they ended up winning the game by five points. Yeah. But this is definitely a game where they need to fo- really kind of hone in and not be so focused on, like, what's happening, you know, 12 days from now when they play Michigan. Focus on what's happening five days from now when, you know, you're talking about a team who hasn't had a game where you've seen all three facets of football game kind of spark at the same time. Yeah, yeah no doubt. But uh, talking about – some more of this Ohio State-Michigan State game. The defense didn't, they didn't necessarily play amazing. Obviously, Michigan State's offense is pretty bad, but they still only give up six points. Um, what are some of your takeaways from a pretty good defensive performance? It's a combination of a solid second-half defensive performance, but also just Michigan State's deep offense was just not good mm-hmm. at all. Um, they thump, they kind of switched between two quarterbacks with Lombardi and Lewiski, I think is how you say his name. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, they weren't very good offensively as well, so that kind of helped the numbers a little bit. Yeah, in the second half, they caused some turnovers, but one of those turnovers, 
they didn't really cause it. It was just a miscommunication of mm-hmm. on the touchdown, especially it was just a miscommunication. The guys coming in motion and the ball gets snapped at the same time. It just you know, just kind of worked out in the worst possible way that play could have possibly worked yeah. out. But yeah, it's a good job. You held a team, a ranked team, to six points. You blew them out by twenty in their own stadium. So from a you know, standpoint of that, that sounds good for a team who's trying to get into the college football playoff. But if you actually watch the game, there's a reason why they actually went backwards in the AP poll this week. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. I mean, it was kind of a weird game, like you said, and the fact that they beat a ranked opponent on the road by 20 points, but they didn't look great doing it. Um, yeah, you can say that maybe Ohio State caused some of those turnovers, but for the most part, it was probably more of a Michigan State collapse than it was Ohio State, really you know, just dominating them on the defensive side of the ball. But sticking with Ohio State, Michigan State, the run game obviously looked a lot better. Um, they ran for 150 yards, which isn't a ton of yards, but when you do that against the uh, best run defense in the country and you do, it's a run offense that's been struggling lately. So I thought it was good to see him get 150 yards, see Mike Weber break 100 yards. Um, pretty good showing from the run offense, I thought. Yeah, the past two weeks of run – Offense has been pretty good. They emphasized it against Nebraska, and we saw Dobbins had the best game of his season. Then this week, you see Mike Weber kind of have his moment. I think the one problem I have with it, though, is I think eventually you're just going to have to pick a running back. You can't keep going back and forth between series because I think it doesn't really allow one to get high. If Mm -hmm. say one has a great drive, well, then he's not playing the next drive. You're going to go with the next guy. So I think the one – negative in my mind is I feel like if one gets hot in the first half, you should just ride him in the second half and don't mm-hmm. worry about trying to go back and forth between running backs. All right. Yeah. Um, sticking with the game, Tate Martell, um, it kind of seems like the whole world freaked out, but really if you look at the stat line, all he did was run the ball once for five yards, but I still thought the three times he got in the game, um, there were some, some things that I saw that were interesting. One of them was obviously, I'm sure you saw this play where, Tim Martell comes into the game. I think it's third and one. He doesn't do anything besides get the snap and hand the ball off to. I can't remember who the running back was on this play, but he kind of freezes the defensive end because the defensive end doesn't know if Tate Martell is going to pull it or not. And because he freezes the defensive end like that, uh, it opened, opens up a hole for the running back to go for about 10 yards on that third and one play. Yeah, I think, and we talked about this on Buckeye Talk um, and also in some videos after the game. I mm-hmm. think the main thing with – the whole Tate Martell situation is that if they had been implementing him at the beginning of the season, it would be beautiful right now. I think at this point, and even Doug alluded to this, if you're putting him in there now, that also just means that you're taking Haskins off the field, which at this mm-hmm. point in the season, especially at the point where Haskins isn't having, hasn't had his best two weeks, if we're being honest here. They've yeah. won, but he, in comparison to where he started at the beginning of the year, this hasn't been his best football from under center. And I think if you take him out now and you just start randomly throwing Tate Martell into there, it might screw with him in his head mentally. While, honestly, they could have been using Tate Martell the same way they used Braxton Miller in 2015, where it was Braxton Miller's shoulder was completely, you know, shot at that point. He wasn't throwing the ball when he went back there, but it was a simple fact of like, you've got a quarterback in there who directs who you can direct snap to, and he's going to make some elusive plays with the ball. I think they could have used Tate Martell in the same way where, no, it's not necessarily a package, but, you know, every so often, hey, go get under that center and make something happen with your legs. I think throwing him in there now would be more of a negative, negative than a positive, when it could have been a huge positive if you'd have done it at the beginning of the season. 
Yeah, yeah, you guys talked about that on Buckeye Talk. I remember listening uh, Sunday. I think you guys were talking about if you just would have done this with Tate Martell from the beginning of the season, then it probably would have been more positive than doing it now because now Dwayne Haskins is like, is Tate Martell coming in more because I'm playing worse or stuff like that? Yeah, and I, I, this is also a blip for him. I don't know if he's going to play this bad the rest of the season. I think he'll get. I don't know if he'll be back in the Heisman conversation because that's mm. going out the window. But I do think this is still a guy who's you know he's top five in pretty much every passing court category you can think of. He's going to break a lot of passing records for Ohio State that you can pretty much think of. He's probably going to break that record. Um, he'll probably break the yards record this week, to be honest with you. But We'll see. It depends on, you know, a lot of other factors. But, yeah, I think this is this would be a great game for Haskins to get back to, you know, the quarterback he's been for the majority of the season. You know, he's they're playing a lower-level team. It's the week before Michigan. He's going pretty much back. He's going back home pretty much. This is where he played his high school football. He almost committed to Maryland. So this would be a perfect week for him to get back to playing the top of football that, you know, we've come to expect from him because of the way he played pretty much the first seven weeks of the season. Yeah, yeah, he played really well, and yeah, like we said, um, he did play in Maryland. He was recruited by Maryland, nearly went there, so he's gonna want to show out in front of his family and everyone that uh, he's gonna come to the game. I'm sure he's got a lot of tickets and a lot of people come to the game, and yeah, this is definitely a good chance for a confidence booster for Ohio State playing Maryland. Um, I do think there's a little bit of a worry. Maryland's a, has been a solid team this year. They haven't played well the last few weeks, but they did beat a good Texas team earlier in the year, and. This is kind of like a letdown spot, but it's also a look-ahead spot, so kind of double whammy right there. We just got off of a big win, and then obviously after this week we're going uh look ahead to a big game in Michigan. So do you think there's any scare into this Maryland game, or do you think it should be pretty easy for Ohio State? It would be easy if – it'll be easy as long as they're not thinking about Michigan right now. And Urban alluded to this yesterday that they're already kind of talking about Michigan, and that's when it gets scary because, you know mm-hmm. – if this team was still playing the way they were playing in week five, let's just say that, then, okay, fine. Think about Michigan. Who cares? You're going to beat this team anyway. But you're mm-hmm. talking about a team who it's past three games. They lost on, They lost to Purdue. They didn't ease anybody's nerves about them after the way they played against Nebraska. And, yeah, they beat Michigan by 20, but – yeah, they didn't really beat Michigan State. Michigan State, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. Michigan State. They didn't really beat them by 20. <laughs> you know that that that's a clear situation of yeah, numbers don't lie, but they also don't tell the whole story. That's exactly what that Michigan State game is. And so because yeah. of those factors, now it's you have to put this level of focus into a team that you probably shouldn't have had to put this level of focus into, just so that. When you do, like, because at the end of the day, they're going to be this team because they're more talented than them, but you need to perfect some things so that when you play a team that you may not be more talented than, you know, they have just the same amount of success. Yeah. Yeah, I think it'll it'll be an interesting game. Um, Yeah, I mean, obviously the letdown look ahead kind of sandwich effect that they've got going on, but they're still a much better team than Maryland. They should be able to, uh, to win pretty easily. Going back to Michigan State, do you think that was Ohio State's best win so far this season? Uh, that's hard. Um, on paper, yeah, because you know, like I said, mm-hmm. it's a ranked team on the road, and you beat them by twenty. I think their best win totally though is definitely that Penn State game, one hundred percent. When you look at the first of all the way they played in that game and 
the fact that that was all that's all at the time was a ranked team. I'm pretty certain. I think that was their best game of the season when you're talking about all three facets of the game. I think Michigan State game was was great on paper, but it was also you're really lucky your punter was that good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he played really then, well. Like historically good. You know, I don't yeah. know how many punters there are in the world who can say that, hey, they've pinned the team inside its own six or five yard line five straight times in a row. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I'd say Penn State was their best game. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think I agree with you. Um, it's pretty close, but Penn State was a really good team. And that atmosphere at Happy Valley was nuts that night. And to get that comeback win, and the defense didn't play bad that night. The offense played pretty well. It was kind of an all-around game. So, yeah, yeah, I think I agree with you there. Penn State was probably a little bit of a better win, and this Michigan State team is pretty, pretty overrated at this point. That's partially because there's just no good college football teams really this year besides Alabama and Clemson, but that's a topic for another day. <laughs> <laughs> that's <laughs> That's a whole different discussion. <laughs> yeah. All right. So uh, the final thing I got here with Ohio State football, at least, and then we'll move to basketball for five or ten minutes or so. Um, how do you, what do you think with Ohio State in the playoffs? Um, you think if they went out, they're in, or do you think there's more scenarios to it? Let's just go with the hypothetical that they went out. Do you think they're definitely in, or do you think there's some scenarios where even if they do went out, they're not in? I think – so we were talking about this yesterday – just in, you know, having conversations. Mm-hmm. I think, me personally, I believe that, like, if it, if Ohio State wins out and it pretty much comes down to between them and Oklahoma who gets in, I think Ohio State gets in. Just okay. because, for me, it comes down to both teams. At that point, both teams would have one loss. You'd have a one-loss Big Ten team against a one-loss Big 12 team. And the Big Ten's a better conference. So I think I'd me I'd take the one loss Big Ten team over one loss Big Twelve team simply because of you know the strength of the conference. Now Ohio yeah. State is starting to lose the eye test a little bit after its game against Michigan State, but like I think that that's gotta that's gotta play a role. The simple fact of like the Big Twelve is nowhere near the conference that the Big Ten is. So I think that mm-hmm. has to play a role when you're talking about two one loss teams. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Um... I think that's kind of the scenario I've been also playing with in my head. I think there's a very good chance Alabama, Clemson, and Notre Dame all went out. Uh, if so, obviously, if we beat Michigan, then we, we would jump them. Uh, going off the hypothetical that we do went out and beat Michigan, uh, Georgia would lose to Alabama. LSU is a two-loss team, and they're not even going to go to their conference championship game, so they're definitely out. Yeah. I think Washington State will lose at some point, even if they don't. There's no way you can put a Pac-12 champion above a Big Ten champion. <laughs> the Pac-12 yeah. is – I mean, it's so bad this year. It's like abysmal. Yeah, um, that, no, they're not even in this conversation. Yeah, and then West Virginia, I think they'll probably lose to Oklahoma, especially if they have to play them two times in a row. So if Ohio State does win out and Oklahoma wins out, which are both very possible, I think it's probably going to come down to those two teams, like you said. If so, it's going to be tough for the committee, but I think that Michigan win is – you know, if because this committee values Michigan so much, so if Ohio State beats a Michigan team that they value so much, I think it'd be hard for them not to put Ohio State above Oklahoma, especially if they they convincingly beat Michigan. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it's a game, there might be a little bit of hesitation, but if they convincingly if they beat Michigan handily, then yeah, they're in one hundred percent because they're gonna beat the they're gonna beat Northwestern. Whoever wins this game is going to the Big Ten championship, and then. They're going to be Northwestern. Yeah. Northwestern is just happy to be there. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of unfortunate for Ohio State, too, that they're going to get a team like North. If they do, obviously, beat Michigan, um, going off that hypothetical, then they have to play a team like Northwestern, who's not going to give them any help, uh, at least in the college football committee's eyes. While with Oklahoma, it's beating West Virginia two times, pretty much. Yeah, which is, you know, a good win. Or it could be Iowa State, too, possibly. We'll have to see about that one. I'm, I'm, I'm I think they hold it. I think if Iowa State wins out, they're in. But that it's more a question of if they win out. Which Yeah, that's, that's yeah, a who big knows. if. Yeah. <laughs> Since they do hold a uh, tiebreak over West Virginia after they right. somehow just blew out West Virginia. That was, that was crazy. <laughs> yeah. All right, so uh, going on to basketball here now. Um, it's been a while since the Cincinnati game, so we won't get too much into that. A big win for uh, Ohio State there. But Purdue-Fort Wayne two days ago, they looked really good. Purdue-Fort Wayne, I mean, it's still Purdue-Fort Wayne, but they're not like an awful basketball program. But I really liked what I saw from Ohio State in this game. I just love this team like a lot. I've been talking about on, on this podcast a lot that I just love this team. Like i kind of been saying that it's almost like it's 12 Aaron Crafts on the floor. It's like you got you got five players on the floor at all times, and you got even the people on the bench. Everyone feels like they're just completely committed to this basketball team, completely committed to uh, Chris Holtman and his philosophy, and they're just completely committed to giving 100% for Ohio State University every single night on the floor. And even if they're not the most talented team, even if they don't have a chance to win the national championship this year, it's still just a lot of fun to watch this team and watch the effort that they're giving on the defensive end every night. And they even got a pretty good offensive even got a pretty good offense going as well. They score 107 points in this game. But what are some of your takeaways just from the two games so far Ohio State uh, basketball has played? A couple things. They shot the ball ridiculously well, and they're not going to do that all season. But Mm -hmm. it's cool to see them start the season out this hot, but they're not going to do that all season. Mm -hmm. It just never works out like that. Second thing, their defense is serious, is real. Um, I don't – doing it against – Purdue Fort Wayne was cool and all, but you're clearly the more talented team. You're supposed to do that. What they did against Cincinnati in Cincinnati, when they pretty much held a team under 30% shooting for the entire game, that's impressive. I I don't think, and I I, obviously they're not going to hold every team under 35, but the fact that they went into another team's gym and especially that team that has been pretty, pretty good, has won the eight straight uh, NCAA tournaments. That's impressive, mm-hmm. to, to say the least. I think this Ohio State team is going to be a lot better than, like, you would have thought coming into the season. I think preseason they were ranked eighth in the Big Ten. I think it's more second or third in the Big Ten, especially after I've seen Michigan State play now, you know, it's the first game of the season, but I think they have a chance to win the Big Ten this year with mm-hmm. the team they have. C.J. Jackson was amazing; has been amazing the past two games. He shot lights out against Purdue, Fort Wayne, and then in Cincinnati, he made the key plays down the stretch to win in that game. Uh, we'll see if Andre Wesson is playing tomorrow. He did have that tough fall mm-hmm. against Purdue, yeah. Fort Wayne, so we'll see if he'll play. Um, on Thursday against Creighton, which is uh, – there's an interesting story about that, too. I'll, I'm going to write about this later this week. But Ohio State actually, you know, before they got Chris Holtman, they were going to offer uh, McDermott the job at Ohio State. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think this team is going to be a lot better. Um, I don't know who their consistent score is. It's looking like it's going to be Caleb. But, you know, we'll see. But I do think that this team is a lot better than what – the preseason rankings um, 
afforded them. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree with you. I thought eighth was pretty disrespectful just going off of what we saw from this team last year. Obviously, it's a different team, and they lost their best player, but a lot of what happened last year was on Chris Holtman, and obviously Chris Holtman's still here. So I thought it was a little disrespectful. And what from what I've seen, just I know it's only two games. It's a small sample size, but what I've seen from Ohio State and on the other end, what I've seen from the rest of the Big Ten is that Ohio State's going to be better than most people thought this year. And the Big Ten's pretty bad. So I think, like you said, we could definitely finish, you know, top four in the Big Ten this year. And a lot of people were also talking about just the whole tournament in general. A lot of people were predicting whole team or right on the outside looking out, maybe in the NIT. But I think this is a team that could find their way all the way up to like a four, five, six, even like seven seed in the tournament. Yeah, and even to say last year, that was Holden's first year. So, mm-hmm. and they talked about this, the fact that like the big difference – between in between this year and last year, first of all, they went twenty four and eight last year. It's not like they mm-hmm. like had some terrible record in his first year, and they didn't lose a Big Ten game until their tenth game of the in the Big Ten. Yeah, but I think last year it was you had a lot of the same players, but a whole new coaching staff. And this year, it's uh, the same exact coaching staff, and pretty a lot of the same players you got a couple of new freshmen who were amazing against Purdue Fort Wayne um mm-hmm. especially Dwayne Washington he had he had 20 off the bench but i think that now he Chris Holtman's got a year under his belt where he's been here he's got a chance to get at least one group of guys in here that you know he brought into this program and so i think because of that it is going to be a smoother year where it's no there's no feeling out period this year they can just start the season out rolling like they have yeah yeah I mean like you said yeah Chris Holman in his second year he's really starting to it seems like his mentality and his philosophy is really starting to get into this team and it seems like his mentality is that you know just give everything you've got give all your heart and your effort but you said talked about the freshman there for a second that was kind of the final point I had on this team was um, the freshman played really well against Purdue Fort Wayne and a few of them played well against Cincinnati as well and this is, I mean, they're young, they're freshmen, they're only going to get better. So this is pretty exciting. Uh, Luther Muhammad, he got 12 points. Obviously, um, defense doesn't really have stats, but he played wonderful defense. Um, Washington got 20, like you said. And then Ladie, who didn't even play in the Cincinnati game, gets 16 points. So that was pretty exciting to see the freshmen play that well. Yeah, Ladie decided to live at the free throw line against Purdue for a win, mm-hmm. which is hilarious to me. Uh, Luther Muhammad, talked about this after the game, the scoring, the, the points were great. But mm-hmm. he talked about how he actually loves to play defense more than he loves offense. And his mm-hmm. analogy is the most simple analogy in the world. Yep. If you score 20 points, but then the guy you're guarding scores 20 points, you didn't really score. Mm-hmm. Because you, didn't, you gave up the exact thing that you also went out and got. So I think yeah, that's amazing as well. And then Dwayne Washington can shoot the, ball, the lights off the ball. Yeah. Five, he was six for nine. Really six for eight until that last one. He just kind of jacked up there at the end of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he can shoot the light. He can shoot the ball lights out. So I think this is a solid freshman class. That you're, all three of those guys are going to be major contributors the rest of this season. Yeah, no doubt. I like the uh, analogy that you brought up from Muhammad. I was actually going to bring that up if you didn't. I love that analogy from him, man. That just shows how much of a competitor he is and how much heart he has. And uh, I mean, you love a player that can also that can score points on offense, but also has that heart on defense and is willing to give everything he's got to. Stop his man. But, yeah, I love that analogy from him. I didn't get to personally watch the game. I just watched some highlights because I was at the Browns game. But mm. Washington, man, he scored 20 points. I was surprised to see that. 
Um, that's exciting for him. Like you said, um, I listened to a little bit on the radio on the way back and Paul Keels was talking nonstop about like how good his stroke looked, uh, Washington. And then Ladie, big guy. Um, he only had 13 minutes, but he scored 16 points. So that's pretty crazy too. So overall, really exciting game for Ohio State. Yeah. And I think, like I said, they're not going to shoot that well every single night. But mm-hmm. the, the the story is the simple fact that their defense is holding teams to shooting under 40%. Yeah. Under 30%. I'm sorry. Cincinnati shot 27.4%. And Purdue Fort Wayne shot 33.8%. So, like, you're, you're holding teams under 35% shooting. Mm-hmm. More than likely, you're going to win those games. Yeah. All right. So, the final thing I really have here is – how far do you think this basketball team can go? And we've talked about it a little bit with what seed I thought they could get to, but obviously they're not going to – they can give all the effort in the world. They're probably not going to beat a team like Duke this year. No. But I still think they're uh, better than a bubble team. And I still think they can maybe, you know, at least make a run to like the Sweet 16, depending on, you know, everything and how everything works out and what side of the bracket they get on and everything, if they do make the tournament. So at least if you had to make a prediction, bowl prediction, how far do you think this team can go this year? I think – they're a Sweet 16 team. For a side note, nobody's beating Duke this year. That team's ridiculous. But mm-hmm. <laughs> I think they're a Sweet 16 team. I think that if they get to, I wouldn't be surprised if they made it to the Elite Eight. Now this all depends on you know what bracket they, what side of the bracket they get into, who else is in there with them. But mm-hmm. I think this team could get to the Elite Eight. But I think more, I think Sweet 16 would be if they got to the Sweet 16, that would be a successful season for them. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Yeah, yeah, I mean, there's no chance they win the championship, and no one's expecting that. And I mean, heck, if at the beginning of the year, most people didn't think they could even make the tournament if they make a run all the way to the Sweet 16, then people will be pretty happy. And I think most people know in the back of their minds that next year is really the year that they, they might make a run for uh, the, the title with the recruiting class that they have coming in. Yeah, after those three guys especially get a year under their belt. Um, mm-hmm. CJ won't be here anymore, but one of those guys was allowed to start to start by. I think this team is a year away from getting to, to being a championship contender. Yeah. Yeah, well, I'm sure you've got a lot to write about with everything that just came out about uh, the whole Urban Meyer situation yeah. and the Brett McMurphy yeah, report. morning. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. So I'm sure you got some stuff to do. Thanks for coming on, man. Thanks for coming on as long as you did. I got to do my best to get Doug on here soon. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Doug's a great All right. <laughs> Yeah, Doug. Doug's a cool guy. I, he's probably way too busy to to come on this small podcast. But thanks for coming on, man. Really appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me. All right, thanks. That'll do it for Ohio versus the world. <laughs>